ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Coming up on today's episode, we're going to talk Adam Scott's victory at Riviera, Tiger's disappointing run as tournament host, and what lies ahead for the year's first WGC event. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast, presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Sim Driver. The driver head was in need of a drastic change in order to provide more performance, so TaylorMade changed the shape altogether with their new Sim Driver, which allowed them to make it fast and forgiving where every golfer needs it, the downswing. The pros love the new shape, but the biggest reason TaylorMade changed the shape was to help make you into a better golfer. So check out TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information on the all-new Sim family. And with that, I'm Will Gray. Happy to be joined fresh off uh, a red eye by Ryan Lavner, who was out at the Genesis Invitational all last week covering it for GolfChannel.com. Lav, thanks for hopping in and, and sharing your thoughts. Happy to be here. It was a a great week in LA. First time covering the the Genesis Invitational. That's a good I, I was one. I wasn't there before Tiger got involved, but but boy, that is a well-run tournament. Obviously, the golf course is iconic. The field was as good as it possibly gets. It's basically a WGC event. If you see the number of world ranking points that are on offer this week, so a, a very good week. Uh, no complaints. And we had a great winner and a great tournament. You can almost make an argument that this is it was a better field at Riviera than the one that they've got this week at Chapultepec. We'll touch on that in a minute. But uh, what was your biggest takeaway from Sunday? It, it was, as you said, a loaded field, a star-studded leaderboard. You had three big names tied at the top entering the day. And then it's Adam Scott who finally breaks through after a number of close calls at this course and in general on the PGA Tour. It's his first win on the PGA Tour since 2016. Granted, he did win the Aussie PGA at the end of December. So back-to-back starts, back-to-back wins across two calendar years for the Aussie but uh, approaching 40 he's clearly still got a lot left yeah he has he has a lot left you look you look at those three co-leaders uh, heading into the final round Matt Kuchar was kind of doing it with smoke and mirrors he he made a, a boatload of putts and and really wasn't hitting it that well it wasn't surprised to see him back up on the final day Rory uh, really just badly misplayed a shot on on the fifth hole he he was trying to land it on the front third of the green on number five, ended up flying to the pin, and he was just absolutely dead. Um, I think the surprise there was that he didn't just take his medicine and, and make bogey and move on with it. He kind of compounded his error, and, and from, from that point, he wasn't able to recover. And, and Adam Scott, when you look what he was able to do in the final round, that was one of the grittier performances, I think, that we've seen from him. And he kind of showed off his complete skill set that he has now. He's always been an incredible driver of the golf ball. He's always been great with his irons. Uh, but over the ha- past... Uh, year, year and a half, two years, he's really taken his short game to another level. And I think that's what 
you saw, I mean, especially the, the flop shot that he hit on 15, a, a kind of do-or-die moment where he absolutely had to get that ball up and down to salvage a bogey. He was able to do it. And so, you know, his putting isn't pretty. It's never going to be pretty. Uh, but it's good enough now where he's top 30 on the PGA Tour in, in putting, so where he can really take advantage of his ball striking. He's number seven in the world now. He can continue to be a force for, for I think, next three, four, five years. Yeah, it's, it's still jarring to see him lining up with the long putter, putting to a flag with this pin in. Oh, it's hideous. And it, it, but hey, it worked. It worked very well on Sunday. He's burying birdie putts on 13 and 17, saving par on 12. And as you said, 15 was really where it seemed like it was going to get away from him. And he was able to save bogey and, and stay at the top. It was fascinating to see Riviera in full bloom. I mean, this is always one of the best courses on the PGA Tour, but it was firm and fast. It was playing. And there's ideal. no rough, too. Yes, there's no rough. And it shows there doesn't necessarily need to be a ton of rough. This is a course, it's fascinating to think that there's no water hazard on the entire course. You've got the barranca that's kind of lined with, with red stakes, but basically there's no water, and that is kind of what leads to a bunched-up leaderboard. But at the same time, you're still able to see big numbers if you get out of position. The 10th hole gets a lot of attention, and deservedly so, but you saw on five, Rory makes triple, Adam Scott makes double. Big numbers are lurking on this golf course, even though it's not the longest, even though there isn't a, a pond looming in front of every green. Yeah, and, and people are trying to use this this tournament and this golf course and these conditions, kind of the antidote to the to the distance insights report. You know, saying all you got to do is make a golf course firm and fast. You know, it doesn't need to be eight thousand yards. Well, the problem is, is this is an outdoor sport, and it's difficult to replicate those conditions week in and week out. I I totally agree. It was seventy two hundred yards. Um, the greens aren't aren't huge. Um, you know, it's it was. It was set up for only one player to, to be double digits under par, um, but it's it's just hard to do week in and week right. out. I think the beauty of, of Riviera is the strategy, that you don't need four-inch rough to be able to, to force players to make decisions and absolutely penalize them if they miss their spots. So we need to turn our, our attention to uh, Tiger Woods and tournament host who seemed like he was basically a world beater through the first nine holes on Thursday. He, he goes out in 31, looking like a player in full control on a course that has so often had his number. And then if you look at that guy and you look at the guy that we saw on the weekend, they might as well have been separated by four years, let alone four days. I mean, he looked nothing like he did on Thursday. It seemed from his comments, from his body language, that the toll of hosting the event and playing in the event may have been more significant than he expected. He ends up dead last among the 68 guys that made the cut uh, and then decides surprisingly not to play uh, the, the event this week in Mexico. So so take whichever piece of that you want first, but but there's a lot to digest with Tiger. Yeah, yeah, there cer there certainly is, and I was I was really quite surprised. I I saw him on Tuesday. He looked to be in great spirits. In hindsight, the fact that he didn't practice, I think, was a little bit yeah. alarming on Tuesday, Wednesday during the pro am. He looked he looked terrific. Now he still wasn't making any putts, um, but that was kind of to be expected. It's not like he was you know grinding over fifteen footers in the in the pro am. It wasn't but, it wasn't just the putter that went wrong over the weekend though. Right, that was it, it yeah, was the but, full bag. Issue. But like he was hitting it so well in the pro am, I said, boy, I think he's really going to play well this weekend. You saw on the the front nine, uh, just how well he played. I think Friday morning was kind of the turning point for Tiger. He he kind of leaked oil at the end of the first round, and then when he's warming up on Friday morning, it was in the forties. He wasn't moving all that well, and he he just didn't he just didn't really have it on Friday and it, it comes out you know that he he was feeling stiff and um 
you know, he kind of threw in the excuse that he had been practicing. Well, was he not practicing because he, he grinded too hard the previous week trying to get ready for this tournament? Was he was he not practicing because he had so many responsibilities, even though that wasn't a new thing for him? He's been hosting tournaments right. for, for two decades. Um, I think you can really just chalk it up to the fact that he wasn't feeling his best. He's going to have weeks like this. That's going to happen when you have a fixed you know, point in your spine. Um, but from Wednesday when I saw him, I never— would have predicted that he would have finished last among those to to make the cut, but I think it it just does show, you know, that at his age he's he's going to have these these really terrible weeks. Yeah, I mean, certainly on one level, it doesn't quite add up when you think about the fact that he hosted the Hero World Challenge two months ago without issue. He pulled double duty at the Presidents Cup and was splendid across the board. Now so he it, did. Now he didn't play that Saturday at the Presidents right. Cup, and he said at Tory Pines. You know, it took a lot. Boy, out of that him. took a lot out of right. me. I didn't touch my clubs for three weeks. But at the same time, he was able to do it in in the moment. So this, as you said, is not the first time, even at this event, that he has hosted. Third time he's done it. Right, right. He and it it, it seemed only now to to be adding up. And as you said, maybe now it's the the toll weighs more heavily than it did even one year or two years ago when it comes to that stuff. But it was still a little bit jarring to to hear him honestly speak that candidly about what was going on with him physically and 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 on and off the course. Now that was only after, on the weekend, right. he was candid. Right, you know, he, he's still up until Friday afternoon did not commit to to playing in Mexico. It was only on Saturday where he said that he was stiff and that he wasn't going to be able to. But to he, prepare. he said he said before that he said on Thursday and Friday that the hosting took away from his practice and things like that. So right. he was he was at least alluding just, to the fact he just made no mention of the back. Right, which you know that's Tiger's prerogative and that's what he's done uh, forever, which is which is fine. Um, I think I think big picture because you know coming out of Tory Pines, I thought Tiger looked great. I, I even wrote a story on GolfShell.com <laughs> listing the number of reasons why why there should be optimism. Um, so I, th- I think you can throw out the result t- to some extent, especially the performance on the greens. I mean, losing eight strokes to the field on the greens um, was absolutely dreadful. But I I do think big picture, it it did show, and he's never he's never put a Kukuyu, uh, Poana greens well. However. He's only getting worse on right. the greens. Like historically, those last two last two seasons were his worst ever on the PGA Tour. Obviously, this result's going to skew poorly for his his ranking as well. I think that's just something to keep an eye on because if he isn't sharp with the driver, which he, you know, he had average success um, at at Riviera off the tee. If he's not great with the driver, which he was at Torrey Pines, and if he's not great with his irons, which he was not at Riviera. He's he's going to struggle. I mean, he needs to be in the fairway, and he needs to be exemplary with his irons, which over the course of his career he has been. Um, but I think we're looking at more average putting weeks than we are looking at at red hot putting weeks, and him being a top twenty putter on the PGA Tour. I they just think that's something to to keep an eye on as we move forward in the year. His his ball striking has to be terrific for him to for him to win. So let's let's get a, a crystal ball here because now we're, the West Coast swing is over. We've got the WGC in Mexico this week. The, the tour heads to Florida next week with the Honda, and from there it's downhill to Augusta. So th- now the the schedule and where guys play all seem to be pointing down Magnolia Lane and what you want to have ready in different different respects for the Masters. What do you make of, and how important is it that Tiger is skipping 
Mexico, where he played last year. He went from Rave to Mexico, tied for 10th in Mexico City. Now, granted, he had a neck strain that then knocked him out of Bay Hill. Now it seems like he's likely to skip Mexico, maybe add Bay Hill. We're not really sure at this point. But what did you make of, of him going throughout the week saying, I haven't really thought about Mexico, even though it's next week, and then ultimately just letting that commitment deadline pass without entering? You know, if, if Tiger feels that that's not the best for his preparation, then, I, you know, who are we one to, to criticize? To be honest, it's, it seemed like that would have been a, a reasonable spot for him to pick up number 83. I mean, it's a it's a quirky golf course that involves a lot of strategy. He didn't need to hit driver. He played decently well last year. He had a top 10 finish. I he was, you know, a dozen shots behind uh, Dustin Johnson, just like seemingly everyone else was. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd rather see him play Bay Hill players back-to-back and give himself these next two weeks off than, than kind of go to Mexico and just go through the motions. That's how I how I look at it. You know, I'm curious to see only once in 2019 did he complete tournaments in back-to-back weeks, which is what he would have to do for Bay Hill uh, and then the Players' Championship. To, to me, the one that I'm curious to see is does he play match play again? That's Interesting. Because that golf course doesn't really help you in terms of uh, master's prep, it could eventually lead to a long week if if he continues to play well and makes it into the weekend as he did last year. Um, to me, I think he can get most of his work done, Bay Hill Players Week, and then kind of reassess. And potentially take a month off before the Masters? Take three weeks off, yeah. Interesting. I feel like him not playing Mexico makes it more likely that he would want to play match play. It's right in that sweet spot of two weeks before the, the Masters. The, I mean, the, t- the timing is yeah. great. But if he's if he's gassed after playing two weeks in a row during the Florida Swing— that I could, I could potentially see him sitting that one out. It wouldn't be ideal, but if that's what his body's telling him after two weeks, then worth noting that Tiger is not the only guy not playing Mexico. The, the, Five do, of the top thirteen. Yeah, no Kepka, no Rose, no Cantlay, no Ricky Fowler, no Jason Day, a no lot Tony of, Finau, no Tony Finau, who was who was a late uh, WD. But uh, are, are you at all surprised to see this much schedule selectivity when you've got an event? Hey, free money, free world ranking points. It's an Olympic year. There's a lot of guys jostling, especially on the American side of jostling for that top four spot to to make it to the Olympics in Tokyo. Are you surprised that these this many high profile guys opted out? Kind of, but also not really in terms of well, how is that for a, a, fence, <laughs> a fence straddling? Most of those guys who are not playing traditionally have, have played that golf course terribly. And so they would rather pick up an extra start in, in Florida. That's 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 what they decided to do. So that that wasn't too surprising. Patrick Cantley is having septum surgery this week. He said it was the only time during the year that he could get taken care of. He wants to be ready for the players uh, and the Masters, obviously. So this was the week for that. Um, but, I mean, Brooks, is, Brooks has been terrible there. He doesn't have a top 30 finish. In a, which in a limited field start is is terrible, and he's playing next week at his hometown event at Honda. Um, so so no. Um, however, it does bring up an interesting point with this Premier Golf League, in the sense that the Premier Golf League is essentially offering WGC tournaments ten to eighteen times a year, whatever they eventually decide for the schedule. That is offering guaranteed money of a of a huge purse. World ranking points. Limited field. Limited field. Like, it's the exact same thing. And so if you can't get guys to sign up for what is essentially, what is a WGC this week, why in two to three years would they all of a sudden want to do 10 to 18 of these in a year? Like, it doesn't make any sense. To me, that absolutely shoots down the PGL model and, and what they're aiming for. 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we're certainly going to have to see. I, I, I agree with you that it is basically, and this is, you know, a lot of this discussion around the PGL is, is very reminiscent of the discussion that happened in the mid-90s that then led, directly or otherwise, to the, the birth of the WGC events in 1999. And, and you're right. I mean, it, it's tough when you come to the, the spring schedule. And right now, man, you are cramming a lot of big events into a very short window, and it's hard to ask these guys to play everything that you're going to have some that skip Mexico and play match play, some that play Mexico and skip match play, some that, you know, you got guys like like Spieth and Patrick Cantlay, as you said, who almost take the entire Florida swing off. Other guys have been light on the West Coast, and they heat up in Florida. Listen, this is a bunch of independent contractors, and this is where that that element shines the most, is that they're able to play and pick their own schedule. And this is where in the spring leading up to the Masters, you see the most variant opinions, because everyone thinks that they have the secret sauce. Everyone thinks that they know what is best leading into the year's first major. Some are going to be right and some are going to be wrong. Yeah, and I think, look, it, it makes sense in terms of keeping it on the West Coast with, with Mexico. I, I think if the Tour wanted closer to full participation, they'd they'd be wise to maybe not bring it back to, to Trump Doral, but have it somewhere in Florida just to kick off the, the Florida swing because I think we're only going to see more players skip this. The, the golf course just doesn't do a lot for a lot of players. Yeah. Uh, any other takeaways from Riviera from your, your first trip out to L.A.? And, and clearly a, a big week for a lot of guys. That Anything else that stick out to you? Uh, I think the way that, that Bryson played, uh, he continues to show signs. That he might he's, actually that figure this out, right? That like he's, he's validating what he's been trying to do with with just hammered all over the lot. I mean, he was top five in strokes and off the tee for the second consecutive tournament that he's played. Uh, you know, what made Bryson Bryson is his iron play. You know, yes, yeah. he's always been somewhat in, in play off the tee, and he's never going to be a great putter. But when he was at his best in 2018, when he won four times worldwide, he was he was a terrific iron player, and he's just not— maybe he hasn't devoted enough time there because he's trying to, to tinker with his driver. But I think that's when he can— take the next step to being a world-class player again and, and winning multiple times a year is when he can see an uptick in his iron play. But I certainly think he's on the, the right track, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he gets a win in the next couple of months after we kind of dogged him for, for a <laughs> while here. Uh, that's, that's true, but he does seem to be trending in the right direction, and that's not the first time that we've seen Bryson kind of fly straight into the sun and come out unscathed. Uh, a lot of big names near the top of the leaderboard, uh, but several big names, as you would expect, in a, in a star-studded field. Made an early exit. Uh, Bubba Watson had time to play Saturday golf with Justin Bieber after winning this event three times, but then you've got JT, who seemed out of sorts from the basically from the first shot. He's they, not. He was not in a good place. Yeah, it, I don't know what was going on uh, with Justin. He seemed fine. I, I was out of Phoenix a couple weeks ago when he finished third. Everything seemed fine, and then all of a sudden, it it was not his week. Uh, and then you've got Phil, who just didn't really have it, and and that's not entirely surprising given the hit or miss nature of his game right now. Uh, he said he wasn't going to play Mexico, didn't qualify anyway. But but did either of those kind of stick out to you as especially head scratching? Justin Justin Thomas for sure. I mean, I I wrote a blog post on I think it was Wednesday. Of tournament week because he was paired with tiger obviously and you know I've, i think the headline was like justin thomas reveals secret to success <laughs> playing in head-to-head with tiger he was he was, I mean, he was, he was like 10 one and he three was 10 one and three yeah. one pair together and and he just didn't have it i mean he he was errant off the tee he had the he had the two-way miss going he he wasn't sharp at all this distance control um you know i think riviera's green's gonna befuddle most players but but they were really giving him a hard time and and once he started playing poorly, he has a hard time working himself out of it. He kind of just grinds himself into a hole and, and, and pair with Tiger, who is going along swimmingly at that point. 
uh, just kind of added to it. So for him to shoot, I think, 74 uh, in the first round just was was not good at all and was a surprise. It doesn't change my opinion. I think he's going to be PJ Tour Player of the Year in 2020. Um, but Noted. We're going to put that in the archive. Oh, you could you could check back in, okay. in September with our predictions. Um, but but to me, that was the biggest head-scratcher. I think Phil was just kind of running out of gas, yeah. and he he desperately needed a week off. Yeah, five weeks in a row. And now that, that top 60 cutoff as we get into the spring is going to be interesting to see with him and, and potentially playing the U.S. Open because he's already said he doesn't want the special invite even if he gets it. Uh, all right, well, let's turn our attention to Mexico City this week as we get a few big names that are skipping but still plenty of guys that, that are worth talking about that are going to make the trip down there. As you said, this is a quirky course. It's at 7,500 feet elevation. This is, as our colleague Rex Hoggard said, this is the week the track man shines. This yeah. is when you need everyone needs to be Bryson. Everyone needs to have their numbers guy standing right behind them because the eight iron might fly a buck 70 it might fly a buck 85 you need to know exactly how far it's going to go uh with no fill dustin johnson is the only guy in the field that has won at this course he's defending champ also won in 2017 clearly likes what this course has to offer but uh what are your thoughts leading into the first wgc of the year boy you, you know you and you hate to you hate to say it but you kind of like dustin's chances again sure. again this week there's he's been doing everything in 2020 except when he you know he kind of knocked off the rest of Kapalua looked good he almost won in in Saudi Arabia last week he he had a chance he was one shot off the lead for for most of the final round before kind of falling away at the end um you know for a guy who practices on the range every single day with a with a track man trying to dial down his distance this is actually the tournament where where he he might shine the best because didn't, didn't last week he say he made an equipment change because he the ball was going too far did he say yeah, that? Yeah, he's like, I had to dial things back. It was going too far. I needed I needed to be able to have a little better control over his clubs, which is a very Dustin Johnson problem to have. Yeah, we've also got Mike Davis on uh, on, on line one if he wants to have another interview. Uh, but, you know, his his driver is once again a weapon. You know, he was, I think probably because of his knee, he was a little bit more errant uh, in the back half of, of 2019. He seems to have that dialed in uh, once again. And, and, and John Rahm, you know, Roy had a chance to make a, a statement victory last week at Riviera in terms of cementing his status as number one and now John Rahm has it has a chance to to take it over again after we were busy fetting Rory Roy for seven <laughs> days he he has a chance to 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 give it up so um as usual it's it's those three players and and everybody else but I think um it should it should be a good week it, I think we're kind of due for a a weird winner yeah at this at this golf course Three for three with with marquee winners. You yeah. got two DJs and a Phil, and you've had even even the guys around them. I mean, Rory finished second last year. Justin Thomas was second. Rory blown off the map last year by Dustin yeah, Johnson. Yeah, but everyone got blown off the map last year. JT with the hole out on the seventy second hole the year before and the playoff loss to Phil. You've had Tommy Fleetwood finish second. So it it has been a pretty star studded leaderboard at the top at this event, albeit a, a small sample size of three years. And the WG, G, WGC fields by default. Are pretty are pretty loaded. Yeah. You don't have a lot of random guys getting in for the the seventy two man field, but uh, yeah, it, it could be interesting. You've got some some other names that are a little bit further down that you might not expect. I remember you know a few years ago when Shane Lowry won at Bridgestone before he was Shane Lowry, the Open champion. That one kind of got caught people by surprise. Might yeah, be, might be having a curveball this week. Yeah, uh, to me, John Rahm's history of 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 playing recent history of playing well. You know, he finished t seventeen last week after a kind of a mediocre final round, even though I've had a mediocre final round at Riviera. Uh, and plus his court, course history, this, it feels like it could be finally John Rahm's time to 
to take over that number one spot. What does Rory have to finish outside the top three with a Rom win? Yeah, in order I, to, I can check it, to, but it's it's something like that. I mean, Rom ne- definitely needs to win to be able to get right. get things going. Yeah, all, all scenarios lead through right. a win, but you know, it, it could be that. I actually like Colin Morikawa, who just got just into the field, in. top fifty. I feel like. He could play well this week. You know, all all the newcomers are slightly at a disadvantage just because they haven't experienced playing at seventy five hundred right. feet above sea level. Um, but but look, it's WGCs are what they are. Yes, we're missing five of the top thirteen, but still, anytime you can get the best players in the world going head to head, it certainly must see TV. The official scenario for John Rahm: he's got to win this week. Rory has to finish uh, worse than a two way tie for third. So that's definitely. Okay. In the ballpark, I mean, again, assuming that, that Rom wins, which is a big ask, but he has been and playing And assuming well. Roy finishes outside the top three, which he, he hasn't, it, it, hasn't that's done all that often. Right, that's not necessarily a slam dunk, but yeah. I think that, that uh, it's it's one to watch, and, and Rom is the guy that could overtake him, even though Brooks Kepkes at two. Brooks is taking the week off, and, and he'll resume next week in Florida. But uh, it should be interesting, interesting watch. All right, so before we go, your first week out of Riviera, week out in L.A., what was the best thing you ate? Best thing I ate, uh, Koji short rib tacos. Okay. Uh, so I I have this hobby of finding places that were on Best Thing I Ever Ate, which is a show okay. on uh, Cooking Channel. Not a sponsor of the show. No. Thank, so I so I knocked off uh, Zanku Chicken. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. It's your list. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it was it was terrific. It was like a rotisserie chicken with a little garlic sauce dipping. Uh, exquisite. Uh, the next night had the Koji short rib tacos from a place I can't pronounce. And... On Saturday night, went to Father's Office. It was Father's Office for their burger and beer, which is what everyone orders. So I would highly recommend that to <laughs> to anyone who's going to the Pacific Palisades area because those three meals in particular were. Boy, I, I, I we did not discuss this uh, before, and I knew that you were not going to let me down with a a fine oh yeah a fine review of the culinary delights in the Los Angeles greater area. Check check back uh, soon for let's see Bay Hill updates. Jacksonville Honda next week. We neither of us have covered the Mexico event, which I think that's it's a very short list of PJ Tour events that you and I have not. And had Rex a and to Rex go. said the food the food there is terrific. Yes. So maybe we can get Rex on the pod next week, and he can he can regale us with, with yes. stories of of his fine culinary but experiences. Soon, soon the PJ Tour is coming our way, coming to Florida. We'll, yes. have, we'll have plenty to discuss. Absolutely. All right. Well, Ryan Lavner, thanks again for joining on this latest edition and episode of the Golf Central Podcast presented by TaylorMade. I'm your host, Will Gray. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.